Today's guest is Al Coker. Al is a real estate broker and a longtime resident of Dallas and North Texas. He's got a fascinating story from growing up in South America to eventually making his way here to Dallas with some entrepreneurial journeys and detours along the way. He's a super successful real estate broker and has a fascinating condo consulting business. I'm excited to have him on the show today. Welcome to the podcast. Some Venezuela? No, Colombia. Colombia. Cartagena, okay. Colombia. Okay, so you were born there. Yeah, I was born there and, and lived in Colombia for a little bit. Okay. And then we moved from Colombia when I was a I was really a young child to Venezuela and lived there until <clears throat> I guess my father took a job with the uh, uh, the military and we moved from Venezuela to Taiwan. Oh wow. And so we were there in the mid sixties when uh, you know, he, he was going to Cambodia and Laos and Vietnam. Okay. And, and at that point, Taiwan, too, was also sort of actively, you know, being harassed right, by right. the Chinese, just like today. <laughs> yeah, History sometimes There'd repeats be times itself. where, like, all of a sudden you'd see a bunch of contrails, uh-huh. and my dad would be gone for four days. Was he in the, he was in the No, he was or? a consult. he was a contractor. Oh, uh, he was yes. a communications engineer, but okay. uh, apparently from 1949 until he retired, he was also a contractor for the CIA. Oh, wow. When did you learn this? Not in your childhood? No, uh, long after he was dead. Wow. I learned it on a, a real estate project that I was trying to do in La Paz in Mexico mm-hmm. and started playing golf with a guy uh, from California, and he was telling me about he'd been a carrier pilot and then went uh, and flew for um, Air America, okay. which was the largest airline that didn't exist. That was the CIA's private airline. Ah. And so he was. We were talking, and he's goes, "God, your dad's name sounds familiar." And I was joking around. Well, every place he went, there was a conflict here, there. You know, we'd always saying he was a spook. And so the next day, he goes, "You know, I called a couple of friends of mine that are still up at Langley, mm-hmm. and your dad was." definitely a contractor for the cia and he was very well thought of and wow yeah well he was he was a different guy i mean he was he i may have told you but you know he landed in the second wave at omaha beach and went all Mm -hmm. the way to berlin you know there's pictures of him in the ardennes in uh, the snow you know after the battle of the bulge and wow but you know he never he would never ever talk about things ever period mm-hmm. he was uh, you know i think that generation i think was i, more I stoic. think people that have been in combat i think of any generation it changes them and it's not something that they want to relive mm-hmm. you know and so uh, you know he was a very different guy wow <clears throat> so at some point you, you you were traveling the world more than i realized and then at some point you made it back to the states yes my dad took a job with nasa okay and so we went from taiwan to which this was the biggest culture shock cedar rapids iowa (laughs) i was the only non-blonde uh in the tri-state area at that time (laughs) and and, but i knew we were going to the beach and i had already started my first fledgling uh, attempts at surfing in taiwan and so i knew they had waves in Mm -hmm. florida so I figured I could pretty much put up with anything. But Cedar Rapids was definitely an eye-opener where I had no idea that wrestling was a sport. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the yeah. first day at PE, the new kid, you go down to the basement, which was like, basement? And get on these mats, and they put me with a guy who'd been held back so long that he had sideburns and prison tattoos that— uh, in seventh grade, no, I'm just oh, kidding. But, but he, I weighed about, I weighed about a hundred pounds. And he weighed about a million pounds, and wow. needless to say. And then I also, you know, discovered that by joining clubs in school, you can avoid the people that are waiting outside to beat you up too. So, mm, and you also, stay, you stay get very good at like, gee, Mrs. Flushing, would you like me to carry all those books out to your car? Oh, I'd love a ride home. It's only a few blocks away. <laughs> <laughs> and I discovered I'm fast. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's better to run than get your get that's your fair enough. butt yeah. handed to you. Yeah, that's a good point. But I knew I was going to the beach. You just knew it. But it was the first time I'd lived in the United States. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is 
So that's kind of crazy. Is, so, well, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I mean, yeah. it's different. So you went from Iowa to the beach, or Ca- you had to Cape wait? Cape Canaveral. Okay, so you did make it there. Yeah, and then yeah. we ended up in Dallas uh, on the way to Australia, and they, uh, my father was doing training, mm-hmm. and uh, they training? canceled <laughs> canceled the rest of the Apollo program. So that's how we ended up in Richardson. Okay, wow. So yeah, I'd wondered how you made it to Dallas, but I think you have a New York phone number or a Florida phone number. Uh, no, I I have a Dallas phone number. I have a uh, I had a Florida number as well, but uh, okay, but maybe floating out on the web. I was like, hey, I think he's lived in Florida. But no, we did. Yeah. We yeah. lived in Florida recently. We did a couple of projects uh, in Palm Beach, and then we also had one uh, in Charlotte, and it was just easier to travel to Charlotte from Palm Beach than mm-hmm. it was to Dallas. You had to go to Atlanta, to this, to the, you know, so. For sure. And, you know, wasn't a bad place to hang out for a number of years. Well, let's, yeah, I bet. I, let's, I, I joke <coughs> So with I am people. a licensed broker in Florida. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. Which has the weirdest reciprocity in the world in that they uh, are reciprocal with Louisiana, <laughs> New Jersey, couple of other places you know like louisiana when you ask for get a fishing license they ask if you want to pay 50 bucks more and get a real estate license so <laughs> i was raising the curve i'm like <laughs> so funny but uh so yeah i got licensed there uh which was very different uh just there are so many other layers where some mm-hmm. parts of it are really easy and things versus texas uh there are some things that are much more convoluted and harder so it's interesting and it was very difficult when it came for mandatory continuing education because i'd be for some reason they all fell at about the same time Mm -hmm. and i'm like uh kind of wait which state which state first but texas is home now and it sounds like it's been home for it has been a while apart from you know moving away a few times and living in other places part-time Projects. Maybe we could talk a little about that because you have a condo development consulting business. Right? Well, that's part of it. You okay. know, the idea is that we would provide concept to closing services. So in other words, we would sort of do all of the pre-development uh, research, assist with, you know, architectural design, unit mix, pro- programming for amenities, all these different things. Yeah. And really create, if you will, uh, that spirit of place. What is this project? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it about? Who are we targeting? And then work with ad agencies to create that messaging. Okay. And then obviously you've got to get it to closing. And right. <clears throat> we specialized in pre-sales where okay. you've got to pre-sell. Typically you have to pre-sell a pretty large percentage, uh, anywhere from 35 to 50% of the project in order to secure construction financing mm-hmm. at a decent with decent terms. Yeah, it reduces so, risk for the it, lender. It, so we took everything where we were, we would provide the in-house sales force. Wow. And that way it was uh, all within our, our umbrella. And, um, you know, it was, it, it's been good. It's what I've done for, I've been in the business 42 years, but I've done exclusively this for, gosh, 25, 26 years. Wow. Okay. So longer than you know, being yeah. a regular resale. And believe me, I've done lots of resale stuff. Well, that's how we met on the yeah. resale deal at Lake St. Yeah. Tower. And I that's funny because I remember them announcing that project thinking, I don't know what to think of condos in Flower Mound, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. But it turned out really special. It did. It's a great It's great a great project. project. And we were at the same time doing Winrose Tower yeah. in Plano, which at people go west. a high-rise condo in Plano, <laughs> even though Plano had changed, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, people like in Dallas or from other locations, like in Plano, Texas. Oh, yeah. Even even equity and debt guys, when they were coming in, when we were securing the mm-hmm. financing, were like, I get this if it was 20 miles south, but I just don't understand it out here. And I'm like, obviously, there's a demand or we wouldn't have pre-sold it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I recall, I mean, the starting prices were on a million, I think. Yeah. For yeah. one bedroom. Basically, yeah. yeah. For a small two-bedroom. For a small two-bedroom, We only yeah. had a couple of one-bedrooms. That's probably smart mix. But yeah, so Windrose Tower is a neat project. Oh, it's a wonderful And so your project. firm was brought in on that. Right. And uh, from, from beginning to end. From site selection all the way through. 
So oh, wow. It was a, it, it, I'm very proud of that project. I think it's a beautiful building. Oh, yeah. The people that live there seem to love it. Mm-hmm. And the prices have gone <laughs> that's, way up. That's how you know it was a good project, because yeah. people are willing to pay more and more to live there. Well, <clears throat> they're hard deals to do. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you see them just springing up out of the ground, except in places like Miami, which are, you know, capital flight driven and, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. They're pretty chondrocentric in a city like that, too. Well, they are, but it's in Miami and particularly in South Florida, a lot of it is driven by capital flight from other countries. Interesting. Yeah, from like South South America, America but also Central Europe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people. That, <laughs> Let me out of there. For all the problems we have here in our country, this is still a great place to bring your money. It's where everybody That's wants, where everybody to, bring wants to bring their money. You know, the, and so, yeah, why not put it in the condo project? Without in getting into global politics, you know, clearly it's where everybody wants to be. Yeah. And, and so Texas is where everybody wants to be in the United States. Yeah. The in-migration is unbelievable. Well, I was just talking about that with somebody the other day. Like, this is a core part of our market problem right now is I think there's just not enough supply. And there's high demand. I mean, and part of it is population growth like is happening. But then stacked on top of that is more people want to move to Texas. They're not going to stop. I, I, don't, I don't see that turning off. Um, so you've been to Texas a while. Since 71, except okay. for moving to uh, Lake Tahoe and, uh, and <laughs> for, Maui. <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> for projects. <clears throat> no. Uh, when I sold my first business. Okay. which was a skateboard shop. Yeah, so you're a skateboarder. There's a lot of things uh, I talked about. Let's hear about to, that. Uh, uh, a friend of mine was building the Playboy Club in Dallas, and he okay. was from Lake Tahoe. And uh, at the end of that uh, project for him, he said, what do you, you know, you ought to come up there. And I was kind of like, well, that kind of makes sense. I don't have anything that I'm really doing. I'm done with school, and uh-huh. I had money, and I wanted to ski. Oh, okay. So yeah. I moved up there and, you know, because gymnast, skateboarder, surfer, skiing, that's got to be easy. You're falling on s- snow. <laughs> so I went up there and immediately was humbled and I was Bambi on ice uh-huh. the first couple of days. And yeah. Then all the guys that taught me, though, were nutty people doing, you know, aerials. And, mm-hmm. you know, this was in the 70s. Okay. And, you know, ski racers and everything. So I learned from the best. And that was a year that we had a ton of snow. I skied my first year, 152 days, something like that. That's a ton of skiing. Yeah. So a ton of skiing. So I got really good. You, know, you were there for one season or did you? No, did you, I was there for one season, but then for a number of seasons after that, I would ski, you know, 20 or 30 days yeah. a year. You know, I can still ski. You know, we did a project mm-hmm. up in Telluride and, uh, had to go try the mountain. Of, of course. course, you can't sell yeah. what you don't know. Right. And, see which if it's that worth is it. an amazing place to ski. And it, I and, haven't you know, skied there. I don't ski bumps anymore because it's just a beating. Yeah. You know, it's a young man's game. But I love to go fast and just mm-hmm. make big turns. And yeah, you know, it's wonderfully beautiful up there. You're speaking my language because that's one of my favorite pastimes or hobbies. But I think on a good year for me, it's like 10, 12 days. Well, that's still, Because in Dallas, I mean, fun. there's obviously no skiing. No, and, but you can get to New Mexico. We can get a lot Colorado of places easy. And, yeah, pretty quickly. Where's your favorite spot to ski? Oof. Um, I'll say in my recent skiing career, I would have to say uh, Telluride because it's okay. a hard place to get there, number mm-hmm. one. It's a tall mountain, so the snow is unbelievable, but the difficulty in getting there keeps it from being overrun. That's a great perspective. That's part of the reason why I haven't tried it, because it just seems like a hassle to get there. It's a beating. Yeah. Don't try to fly in there, because it's like a an aircraft carrier got <laughs> left by the flood in the mountains. Yeah. It is a scary... You have to be a specially rated pilot to, to fly land in there. there. And it mm. gets closed all the time. Yeah, so you're going to be delayed or stuck. Yeah, but it's yeah. worth it. It's worth it to fly and t- have the drive in. And it's okay. it's definitely a great ski area. Okay. I'm going to keep it on the list then. You should. Yeah. I'm already getting excited. It's great for snowboarders too. Well, I'm not I'm not sure about snowboarders. <laughs> Just kidding. My son, my youngest son's a good snowboarder. Uh-huh. My and sisters I, are snowboarders, so I'm like, well, well you know, no. it's like if you've got deep powder and really – you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. I think it's wonderful. But on anything that's hard pack and ice, 
my butt still hurts. I, I tried it one You can't one edge, year. you know, especially uh-huh. as a beginner, you can't edge. I can go all day skiing without falling, but yeah. that's yeah, that's usually how I am. Knock <laughs> on wood for next ski season. <laughs> Got to be some wood in yeah, those walls, right? I think so. Um, yeah. So you're a skateboarder. I have been for let's see, sixty years. Quite a while. Metal wheels, then clay, and uh-huh. then the big bang of urethane. How did you get into that? You know, um, weirdly enough. Uh, my father brought home a little skateboard from the States Okay, and we had this big patio and it had this little metal wheels. And my friend and I rode it around this big patio until the wheels fell off. And then we went to, uh, the States on vacation. We'd come to the States on summers and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Went to Sears and they had a super surfer with clay wheels, which was a revelation because (laughs) even though if you hit a rock, you're flying, Mm -hmm. uh, they were way better than steel. So uh, I terrorized all the motor uh, hotel uh, inns on our drives across uh, the states. We would land in Florida and uh-huh. then go either up to New York or to Texas. So wow, along okay. either either route, uh, there are probably people still wondering why that kid was running around all hours on a skateboard. Uh-huh. So this has been a lifelong passion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you still skateboard now? Yeah. I mean, okay. I shattered my leg um, skating a pool of couple of years ago and um and the rehab on it was just you know it was arduous and uh and lengthy and uh i don't want to go through that so although i did get back on the horse uh after i healed enough Mm -hmm. i like to roll around and just have fun and i can go skate stuff with friends and things but I'm not going to skate it because I just know my makeup. I will go and I'll get with my friends who are all younger and I'll get amped up. And <laughs> next thing I know, <laughs> yeah. you know, because if you're going to play with gravity at some point, gravity's going to play back. That's true. You, know? you can't. And, and to make it, it to, you know, 65 with, you know, never being in the hospital, I think that's pretty good. That is pretty good. That's a sport where you don't have a lot of protection. It's you and gravity and well, even and, with and protection, and concrete. I, I pad up like the Michelin Man, you know, <laughs> helmet, everything, right? But you will have falls. You just this just was one of those things where leg planted, all mm-hmm. you know, all the momentum was going one way, and snap your tibia, fibula, and your ankle all in a nice, yeah. tidy manner. You know, it's pretty funny when the EMT goes. You know, I cannot believe you don't have shards sticking out of your skin. So, yeah. And then he proceeds to say, "What, man? Your pulse, your heart rate, everything is like super low." And I go, "Look, I was a lifeguard. I don't want you to have to put. <laughs> I, I don't want you to, have to put the shock blanket on me." You know. <laughs> so they were really great. They, you know, so you know, we're gonna we're gonna give you as much in the pain department as we can because it's gonna be a long time before the doctors give you any. Ooh. So they were great. They loaded me up. And Where was this? Uh, it was just down uh, in Deep Ellum. Okay. And uh, at our park. The, my so, yeah, I want to ask you about that. that. You had like a skateboard park or I a built museum? two nonprofit parks. Okay. They're both gone now. And then on the second one, I had the incredibly bright slash dumb idea that, uh, you know what? I like, I want to preserve and share skate culture. So I built the Texas Skateboarding Museum. Oh, wow. We had people from all over come to see it, and it was pretty cool. I was very proud of it. But now I'm divesting myself of it just simply because I didn't buy it to keep it in boxes. Yeah. I did it to share. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was was really fun. It was really rewarding. We got to do – I think we created a lot of good citizens. We would charge five bucks for people to come in, which – You'd come in, you'd skate all day. Mm-hmm. That's you know, fine. kids and stuff. We would um, <clears throat> we would check to see. It, you get, we had these regulars, right? So you mm-hmm. want to make sure that they're not just throwing their lives away. So <laughs> we ended up doing a lot of mentoring, which was great. We sort of created, I think, better citizens. You know, you catch a kid doing something right, they're picking up trash and stuff. So guess what? They get a free pass. They get a T-shirt. Yeah. And then you get these other kids. You go, well, why did he get that? And say, well. Watch what he does, mm-hmm. you know. It's, That's awesome. Uh, 
and you know we wouldn't allow any uh, any nonsense so to speak you know it was it was an opportunity too we we you know got on a couple of uh different you know television programs different things like that but we got an opportunity to show that sort of particularly 80s and maybe early 90s uh, stereotype of the skateboarder <laughs> isn't true where we we had one of the head immunologists at uh, Baylor skater wow he's also had, had been a quarterback uh, starting quarterback at Duke and we had lawyers, doctors, you know, people that own businesses. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we had all different kinds of people. And we had, you know, amazing that it was, people felt really good about bringing their kids there. So you just felt inspired based on like your passion to say, hey, how do we, how well, do we share Dallas, this? the city of Dallas, mm -hmm. uh, eighth largest city in the United States, um, incredibly wealthy city, mm -hmm. every suburb, has a skate park. Yeah. Fort Worth has two. Wow. Um, City of Dallas. I've been trying since the 70s to get a skate park built. So we also wanted to show, we did this all with volunteerism and, mm -hmm. and donations and my money. And, <laughs> and you know, but it, no, and it was, it was a team effort of some wonderfully dedicated people because everybody was like a docent. You know, we didn't have paid employees to run the park and maintain yeah. it. But, um, you know, Dallas still doesn't have one, even though it's been in the approved bond uh, program for That's five or six years. I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, Garland has a the, an amazing park that just got finished, and I'm proud to say we uh, were able to get it named after a gentleman, John Comer, uh -huh. who was a uh, an amputee. He was the first Special Olympics. He was, it, although okay. he would never... He would never accept the fact that, uh, I mean, this guy was an amazing skater. Wow. And really tough. He passed away a few years ago, and um, it was only fitting that we were able to get it named after him because he was from Garland. Yeah. So that just happened. That's pretty cool. That Tony really Hawk cool. got uh, very involved in all that. And so okay. it's, it's uh, interesting to see sort of how uh, what, you know, little wooden toys with... Uh, rollers on it is now in the olympics and yeah. stuff like that and that is super and, and I, i'm proud of the fact that you know i was able to do it for so darn long and had the first skate shop in texas mm -hmm. and you know it's uh, i still had people who come up to me you sold me my first skateboard <laughs> and i remember you weren't I? <laughs> Sort that's of like crazy. real estate after you've been in a long time. That's true. Yeah. Go, oh well, you were. We came to your project. We you sold. You sold us this. And you're like going. Oh yes, I I remember absolutely. And your name would be. <laughs> Are you a real estate agent listening to this podcast? Our team is growing. To find out more about joining a fun, service-minded team, go to HastingsRE.com/careers. That's H-A-I-S-T-I-N-G-S-R-E.com/careers. So you, you sold your skateboard shop. That was kind of your first entrepreneurial endeavor. And then you went to Tahoe and skied a lot. Which then is came amazing. back and and went, then And then what happened after that? Came back and went to work for the people that bought it. Um, they had expanded where they were doing, uh, they were literally doing wholesale uh, all over the Gulf mm. and Florida and all over the company called Donnell. Really great people. And... Um, Went back to work for them, and then my girlfriend from Tahoe uh, called me about, I guess, two weeks later. It couldn't have been very much longer. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a while ago, so the <laughs> time frames may be a little fuzzy. Said, I got this job in Maui. Mm -hmm. Do you want to move there with me? And I really wasn't aware that we were that close. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, I just remember yeah. calling my mom, and she's going, well, I don't know where you're you know, you've never really had much supervision. And she goes, you know, this is the freest you're ever going to be. Yeah. You've got your own money. You've got, you know, you're done with school. You know, that's all I can say. And yeah. so I said, well, I'll let you know. And called her back and said, well, meet me in Manhattan Beach. I've got some friends there and we'll move to Hawaii. And wow. So three days later, I'm So you lived in Maui to Hawaii. for how long? That was the Wild West back then. Maui was <laughs> well. There wasn't. There was no Kapalua. There was none of that had ever been had been built yet. Lanai mm. was still a private island with, uh, I guess, the Dole family uh, 
had all pineapple oh, and things yeah. like that. And um, <clears throat> I was there for about a, about a year. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't stay together more than I think. I think it was about eight weeks. <laughs> okay. And I yeah. moved into a Quonset hut up in the hills <laughs> with a couple of guys. And, uh-huh. you know, you moved when it rained, you would move your cot around and it was a oh, surf wow. bum, you know. Yeah, so fun. And uh, went, went over to Kauai for a little bit, but my... I didn't have a whole lot. I had a surfboard and a, and a pack. Suitcases you know. or a backpack. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like you had to, to get dressed up or anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. But it was cool. This, this but it a also life to think about. made me realize, too, that I wanted to do, like Tahoe, there were guys that were older than I was at the time that I hung around. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> they, you know, just had, in Tahoe, you had seasonal scams. You had just different stuff you had to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, I don't want to do that, I don't think. And, ta- and Hawaii made me was like, okay, my money's going to run out here because a jar of peanut butter is six bucks. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I don't know. I just, it, I just felt like there was something more I needed mm-hmm. to do. And so I ended up coming back to Dallas. And Is that can, when you made it into real estate? or was, Oh, no, not no, yet. No, it took no. me a okay. while. Okay, I want to hear the whole journey. <clears throat> well, um, I then decided that, you know, I needed to, I was bartending, all these different uh-huh. things that I was going, going to go back to school and got it photography, <clears throat> photography. And, um, I was this one client became a great guy and, uh, shooting his jewelry. Hmm. And he was like, Oh, you know, Al, you've just always, you know, you had your shop, you've always been, you know, outgoing and you just, you know, you're a natural salesperson. Uh-huh. And so um, he said, you ought to get in real estate because I've got a lot of stuff I'd let you sell. And <laughs> so I went, uh, decided I'll go back to North Texas and get a business degree. At, you know, and so I started working for this company and doing, you know, just stuff around their office mm-hmm. and realized pretty much with having, you know, accounting 101 at eight o'clock that, and driving up there to North Texas that... No, LIFO and FIFO just don't really <laughs> appeal to me. So <clears throat> I got my license, went to work for them. And as soon as I got my license, you know, interest rates promptly went to 21%. Mm-hmm. But we had no idea that, well, is that a problem? Yeah. Well, I mean, you well, can no, really appreciate I mean, we it now. So, and buyers are like, no, we're so, <laughs> so, you know, naive and young. Mm-hmm. And I just remember working on a project. Wait, for this company did condos mainly okay. uh, and stuff. Conversions were big at the time. And um, the first one was over on North Haven, just off of uh, uh, Central Expressway okay. by the uh, Jewish Community Center. And it's called North Haven Condominiums. Okay. And uh, we ended up having to sort of create a way to sell them we didn't really, you know, there were no adjustable rate mortgages, mm-hmm. things like so. We created these rates where we were able to get the underlying loan lender that mm-hmm. it was a private loan, and I think he didn't want it back. And the owner, we structured yeah. these loans where uh, people could buy them, mm-hmm. and their rates were like 11, 12, 13, which was way below market, and they would be for five years or three years and we were going yeah rates are going to come like down the early version of all this arm. all this experience that we've had you know none <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but anyway it worked out mm-hmm. and that gentleman uh he sent me christmas cards for i think a decade wow <laughs> well because otherwise he, he was he was, he was in luck. deep 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 stuff yeah that's interesting to think about so he probably <clears throat> took an apartment complex and converted it to condos yeah, they were exactly and then you helped we, the project and sell I it i came on and uh, and yeah it was it was and the, the first experience and then you know decided not too long after that you know what i got to get into the house thing because People don't seem to like these things as much. Back then, you know, you had a lot of shoddy new stuff being built mm-hmm. that was... And, and I think you know, I know where it's at. <laughs> there weren't as many rules and all these yeah. different things, you know. And so, like, you know, I need to 
get into the house thing. And mm-hmm. so I went and joined Merrill Lynch in uh, Lakewood. And at the Merrill time... Merrill Lynch Real Estate Brokerage? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. They, they, Merrill Lynch decided we need to br- branch out. We need to have real estate because it can be synergistic with mm-hmm. our brokerage and our money market and all this. You know, kind of made sense. Yeah. But those things never seemed to truly kind of. work. And so yeah. got into the house thing and I became... Merrill Lynch's Rookie of the Year. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and after that, it was, uh, you know, it, it was, <clears throat> you know, I've been doing that for, you know, that was in the 80s mm-hmm. and did all of this all the way, really, apart from a few little projects here and there. It, it was really a single family. And for a period, I was, you know, one of the higher up agents in mm-hmm. DFW or Dallas, you know, for single family home stuff. Oh, nice. You know, and joined a company called Murray, which was Murray Savings in the later 80s. And then that became Coldwell Banker. And oh, wow. So, you know, I was sort of morphed into these different situations. Yeah. And so you have a team now, too. I do. Yeah. How did, did that come about? Well, it's basically an offshoot of my company. Okay. You know, it's it was, you know, I've always had a team. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, I had my own company longer than I was with ever with anybody. Mm-hmm. And... um and, you know, it's sort of like my wife always jokes that you're unemployed between projects. So, you know, they are, there's a longer gestation period now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deals are harder to do, I think, and especially in Dallas. Oh, like uh, condo deals? Yeah. The low-hanging fruit has been multifamily. So mm-hmm. it's very easy. There's not as much liability uh, for the developers, those types of things. Yeah. So I see the upswing on luxury deals getting you know built in Dallas right now. But there's a real need, I think, in that marketplace for a more affordable, if you will, uh, condominium project. And, and that'll come. Yeah. That'll I, it's come interesting. As single family continues to escalate mm-hmm. uh, and you have... <clears throat> Companies like Goldman Sachs bring a couple thousand people. Different, you know, different things like that are going to contribute to the need for more, you know, when you say, quote, affordable deals. Yeah. So well, the irony is affordable is not so cheap anymore. But well, used in the to whole be scheme of things. Inside the loop, you could buy a house, you know, like someone asked me the other day. Uh-huh. So what about competition from houses over the M streets or something like, well, you know. An older home that's been remodeled is nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So you know, a condo project that starts at a million doesn't. That's new. Doesn't. It's like a lifestyle choice. Right. It's not. I'm going to go buy a house because I can get a house cheaper. Yeah. There's plus the condo going to take care of anything. Right. There's something to be said for that. With old houses, they're like wooden boats. There's always (laughs) something to (laughs) fix. That's a good metaphor. Yeah. There is always something to fix. Yeah. There's a reason why maintenance isn't part of like, or moving is not part of real estate brochures. Like you never see a real estate brochure with a moving truck or unpacking. Or no, but you know, people talk about homeowners dues with condos, right? Oh yeah. If you do the Ben Franklin balance sheet mm-hmm. for a similar sized or something condo, it's always about 22 to 25% cheaper than a comparable home. Because in theory, you should be saving money for mm-hmm. your roof saving right. money for this thing say you know in theory those are yeah. you know unless people don't save <clears throat> money but yes they right. should but, no, set but in aside theory, a maintenance right? reserve so if toss it a pool you toss mm-hmm. in a yard service so oh, yeah. all of a sudden you know particularly when you get into bigger homes more expensive homes the condo is always going to end up being as as a monthly mm-hmm. nut is going to be cheaper yeah, there's that lifestyle thing. I think about that a lot for real estate, especially the more affluent people. They're more mindful of like, hey, what's the lifestyle I'm creating compared to the financial aspects? No, yeah, I mean, but having it, a concierge downstairs, like yeah. to help with errands or to help you know receive people. Or I've got homes in two other places. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. need the big house anymore. I don't right. need that. So, what's the best alternative? Yeah, you know, it's really truly a condominium is a really the only lock and leave you know if you mm-hmm. have a town home or a zero lot line it's still standalone to some degree mm-hmm. unless you still some outside maintenance yeah well and also unless you've got help that's going to go check on this or check on that whereas in a full service high rise you know you can pretty much have everything done mm-hmm. what's been one of the more interesting projects you did you know that's a i know that sounds like a weird thing to say it's kind of a tough tough thing but you know um 
I think the Four Seasons in Austin was really fun and unique okay. in some ways, um, just simply because it was attached to the hotel, which was a much beloved hotel. Mm-hmm. And it was in front. And, and at that time, you all of a sudden had sort of a boom in high-rise construction condos in, in um, Austin. Hmm. Um, but it was just, that was an interesting brand in terms of the interaction with Four Seasons and their brand standards. And just oh, yeah, that, that continuity that you were able to add to your, uh, your marketing. Um, you know, like, for example, you take a picture of this person that's going to be the doorman. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? And he looked like he'd come out of central casting for the Western. <laughs> he was awesome, like 6'4", you know, little, you know, graying mustache. And But that was our guy, mm-hmm. you know. our. So we were able to tell people, here are the people that are going to be taking care of you. Mm-hmm. And that was huge in terms of being able to do that. We, we had did that to some degree with the Ritz in uh, Coconut Grove. But this was because of Texas and because of Austin and because of the, that Four Seasons mm-hmm. in particular has so, it, it has strikes a chord with so many generations of people. That in particular was very important because it created just this sense of home. Mm. Yeah, I want to hear you ask a sense of place too. And then, you know, doing workouts sometimes when you uh, are taking over a project that has <laughs> issues and you're coming in and trying to, you know, make it not have issues. Mm-hmm. And that's that challenge is always fun and interesting. When you say issues, what, what does well, that mean? Like you have a project that, say, has 420 units and takes up a city block and mm-hmm. it's completely built and everything and <clears throat> you know have a hedge fund that buys it and then goes oh god what are we going to do now <laughs> and you've only good so, idea, but now only like you know say 40 or 50 have closed mm-hmm. and so someone has partially rented some of the building and the developer from whom they took back the note uh decided there were things that we don't need to finish, like security doors that lock and all these other different things. And an association, it was, it was sort of like being given the task of, we're going to give you this super tanker, but it doesn't have a rudder. Can you get it, get it back <laughs> to port? Back <laughs> so that was an interesting uh, task. I bet. And that, but, it was, but again, you know, there's, you just have to start from the ground up and figure out what you have and assess all of those things and, mm-hmm. you know, work through the craziness that, uh, you know, some of the tenants that they had uh, leased to obviously had not been screened or filled out anything in terms of background checks. And, mm. and when people own in a building that they're sort of like the shining <laughs> I'm walking down the corridor. I don't see anybody. Uh, <clears throat> they start taking weird, liberties. Yeah. Like I'm going to one guy. I'm going to park my car collection of 19 cars in the parking lot. Although I only own two spaces, mm-hmm. you know. And going through things like that. There's yeah. just it was it was an interesting and fun project. And you throw in Florida, which there's a reason for the term Florida man. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Well, you would think that a an adult, say 40, Florida being on the ocean, that there are winds and mm-hmm. things, that it might not be the best idea to put a gigantic inflatable Florida <laughs> gator on your balcony <laughs> and then have it blow into the street causing a six-car pileup. <laughs> and he can't understand why he's, you know, Basically, if you could, you'd kick him out of the building. Uh-huh. But you can't. But, but you can't. He's an owner. But uh, there are there are some punitive measures. But but it was you know that's I've worked all over the place. But that that was one of the more interesting I bet. deals. Four hundred twenty units. That's a lot of it is people. Well, they build them big in Florida. Okay. Especially you know this was prior to the you know debacle in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and so. We got there in eleven to, uh, okay, you know, and yeah. heap on the Madoff effect in the in right. Palm Beach, and so, you know, it's it's just it was a it was an interesting time, but a great time to be there and you know get licensed there, and you know it was it was great. There was mm-hmm. nothing to do in Texas. We had one project. Yeah, you know, it was uh, so. 
having been through a lot of different cycles, mm-hmm. you know, and interest rates, et cetera. You know, we've been playing with borrowed money for years, since, <laughs> really <laughs> since 9-11. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, you know, being at 6 or 7%, you know, I think that we sold an awful lot of stuff, whether it was single family or condos, 6 or 7%. Yeah. I Well, you bring up rates because this is on the mind of so many buyers right now. But then you talk about people were still buying when it was 21%. Yeah. And, the, you know, granted, if you have the, a housing the, the price need. was, yeah. And that's that's a fundamental problem. A lot of people, and especially places like here, not enough houses for all the people yet. Well, and rents are going up, are going up faster than the rate of inflation on home prices, mm-hmm. you know, at, at which seemingly you would think there would be some sort of abatement to that but again it's in migration mm-hmm. and supply and demand well and you still have i don't know how many in dallas county but i think i think you have something like 11 or twelve thousand units being built rental units right that's now. a lot yeah but 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 then we look at demand and these units don't and disappear I was, overnight you know from my past experience i was predicting that, <laughs> well you know with the rise of interest rates and the, even with the in migration and this this has got to be an oversupply being built and we'll see people cannibalizing the other tenants uh-huh wrong it hasn't happened yet <laughs> yeah obviously it could well you've got buildings office buildings in downtown dallas mm-hmm. right that have been essentially vacant yeah that are now being converted to housing. That's very interesting to me. I, I toured a couple condos last year in downtown Dallas, and it caught me by surprise. They were they were nice projects, and it wasn't downtown Dallas. I feel like is out of sight, out of mind. Uh, at least for me. Well, you live, living up north here. You live up north, but um, it's a to- it, it doesn't it's a have different the same city. urban core as Dallas doesn't have the same urban core as maybe some other metro areas. From my perspective, no. Well, it's a ring city. Mm-hmm. You have to remember they built freeways completely surrounding like a moat yeah so you know like the change in doing you know clyde warren park sort of bridges that moat in Mm -hmm. one place and and i think too it's it's there is way more used to be a ghost town in dallas 70s 80s five o'clock nothing going on down there Mm -hmm. you know now there's I don't know the. I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say there's somewhere around seven thousand people living in the downtown core. That's cool. Yeah, you know? that's impressive. And so it's you know it's changing. It's still changing too. Yeah, but it's funny in that it's not changing. That it's not an urban work center. Mm-hmm. It's becoming a place where we're repurposing, you know, perfectly fine buildings mm-hmm. into what what's needed housing. I kind of think we'll see more of this. I think. The commercial market is really tricky right now. Oh, yeah, it's challenging. You know? Yeah. But you do have people like, you know, Goldman Sachs. You've got lots of people moving their, mm-hmm. their uh, corporate headquarters to Dallas and to Texas. Mm-hmm. And so from that standpoint, they use, there's going to have a lot of, you know, build to suit for those types of deals. But... You know, their housing needs, people are no longer like, I'm going to have to live within two miles of where I'm working, right? right? So they tend to get filtered out into what type of lifestyle. You know, if I'm a younger person, what do I want? Mm -hmm. Do I want to be in the suburbs in a, you know, a suburban community where I don't have 2.5 kids in a Range Rover, you know? So, you know, it's, it's, it's all different. I think there's, I think we are becoming a more fully fledged city in some ways mm-hmm. and the suburbs are not suburbs anymore if you look at what's happened with legacy west and frisco mm-hmm. and jerry world and all that i mean <laughs> yeah you know it's, these are cities in their own right exactly the suburbs now. exactly where they used to be you know sorghum and cotton fields well yeah that's funny because you not have that, that in DFW ago. A, a while yeah to think about plano and frisco just 20 there years was ago. There was no West Plano when I moved here. It was it was all east of Central when mm-hmm. I moved here in 71. Yeah, it was the, it was like downtown in East Plano. Like. And do you know where JJ Pierce High School is in Richardson mm-hmm. on Coit? Yeah. That was it. That was the end of the road. Coit Coit <laughs> turned into two lanes and was dirt past Campbell. Campbell dead ended. Uh-huh. That was all a big farm. And then the Texas, uh, the uh, the A and M Agricultural Center was like a shack, 
right there. And UTD was one little one-story building. I think it was just, hmm. a t- t- I don't know what it was there for. But, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was very, very, very different. You know, and that's yeah. only, you know, what's 40 something years ago, but 450 something years now. The growth story is amazing here, though. It, and is. it continues. And the, it's fun to see like up and coming neighborhoods or, or small, small towns becoming big, bigger towns or bigger cities. Like um, Allen or. Yeah. Or Prosper. Prosper. Or Salina. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, Salina, right. we would go drive up from, um, from Richardson uh-huh. and there was a rock quarry that had filled in, they'd hit water. Okay. And that was the summer of 1972. <laughs> but it was it was this clear, blue, beautiful water and had like a 25-foot cliff you could jump off. And oh, wow. We'd go out there that first summer and there may be a couple of kids that were from around there. Mm-hmm. And even on a Saturday or Sunday, there'd be 10 12 people. I had my surfboard. I'd paddle around. We just had so much fun. The next summer, there were more. And then two summers later, it was like Woodstock. Hmm. There were thousand people out there and people were, you know, Camelot ended. Uh We were like, nah, not going to come back here. But it was so pretty. Oh, yeah. And I remember stopping. There there was the Dairy Queen uh, in, uh, might have been, it must have been Salina, but we would stop at the Dairy Queen and get big uh, pink lemonades. Okay. There might have been some vodka. In I thought you were going to say a blizzard, but <laughs> that was probably. <laughs> no, there was vodka in there. Okay. Know, oh, that's funny. Little thugs. So, who were. so if you're somebody thinking about moving to Texas, where would you, where would you tell them to look? Or if you're, if you're advising somebody thinking about moving to Texas, what areas would you say, hey, let's, why don't you check this out? Like, well, I mean, spots. is it, is it, I have an unlimited amount of money or what, what is. Most people don't have that choice. <laughs> Well, you know, it, I suppose, where would you go if you had a limited amount of money? Well, I think, um, I, I think that the park cities are still one of the best neighborhoods in the United mm. States, not just Texas. Yeah. Uh, aesthetically, the trees, uh, you know, your private police force, uh, you have your, <clears throat> you know, your school system, which just cranks out mm-hmm. amazing. It's effectively a yeah. private school. Well, it is, yeah. it is, you know, and, uh, it, it it's if you think about it, yeah, you can go up to Preston Hollow, which is another wonderful mm-hmm. neighborhood, or in, any any of the other neighborhoods, and send your children to private school if they can get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's sort of like there's not a volcano creating any more land in the park cities, so that finite amount just continues to become more and more desirable. Mm-hmm. And so from that standpoint, you know, it's, it's, it's a blue chip. Uh, I will say that the escalation in prices there has been astronomical. I mean, yeah. it's, it really is. Um, but, you know, there's lots of great neighborhoods, you know, when you think about it, uh, little pockets. Like, I th- even though it's gotten more expensive, I still think Richardson is... Uh, mm-hmm. West Richardson's one of the very best values. Yeah, like over by Canyon Creek. And Canyon Creek is amazing, mm-hmm. uh, but you know the reservation. There are little pockets throughout that mm-hmm. are that are really nice, and you have a, you know, a police force that when we were kids there, we felt like it was the Gestapo, but. Uh, <laughs> but- Parents you know, and families like maybe, that. Maybe having, you know, long hair and being hippies was, uh, you know, and driving a Volkswagen van, the stereotype of, <laughs> well, we should keep an eye on those kids. Yeah. But, you know, um, but they have a great school system. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's no longer a suburb. It's in town. Yeah. Uh, it has great access, has great employment centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the fundamentals are excellent. And so yeah. I think from that standpoint, that, that's a... I still think it's a value play. And you look at Canyon Creek, there's so much new construction. Oh, yeah. And But that's happening over in Reservation. It's happening over in that little pocket off of West Shore that's uh, just off of Arapahoe. Okay. That's a little neighborhood not a lot of people know about because the streets don't go anywhere. <laughs> no, it's, but it's really cool. It's uh-huh. really pretty back there and no traffic. Right. Um, so I think Richardson is a really good value. Um, uh, I think that you, I, I'm not as familiar with 
the suburbs in terms yeah. of yeah. what what <laughs> what would be good values. But I know that even like in Willow Bend, there's houses being torn down. Mm-hmm. You're going to see. More, I'm excited to see more, more of that. and more of that. Well, because let's face it, a lot of it was built in an architectural wasteland of the '80s, which mm-hmm. you know there was no good design in the '80s. So, <laughs> yeah. so getting rid of that stuff is going to happen. And the location is great. Yeah, if somebody no, is an executive up at Legacy West or in Frisco, yeah. like, and you want West a bigger Plano's lot, a great. Yeah, you want something that has trees. Which yeah. funny, funny how. Those neighborhoods that, you know, we used to call them Charlie Brown trees. <laughs> now those trees are 30 years old. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I think Willow Bend on the high end is a, uh, and Briar Ridge, I think, is just. Like in Far North Dallas? Yeah, Frankfurt, yeah. just off of mm-hmm. Frankfurt, just north of Frankfurt. Yep. Uh, I didn't get the ribbon cutting, but I opened up Frankfurt one time for a showing because the street had not been completed oh, wow. between the tollway and i was late for a showing <laughs> yeah. and i saw this thought like that bridge looks finished so i moved the barriers and <laughs> next thing i know i've got a stream of cars behind me yeah. so i was the pa- the, the pathfinder that's funny but uh you know i think i think those neighborhoods um because even though part of it is in the city of dallas it's plano schools correct and yeah. so I think that is, uh, I think that's a, a good value too. Mm-hmm. And again, it's by Dallas North Tollway too, so easy to get places. Exactly. And you also sort of have a situation where there's the railroad track, so it doesn't, you don't have a lot of through traffic. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, I think that's, and well, it, the, the golf course too, it's sort of right. north end of it. So, you know, I think those are some just off the top of my head. Yeah. And I think Fort Worth is, one of the best values in all of Texas. Mm. It is undervalued. I like Fort Worth. I, I haven't really done real estate much in Fort Worth. It's just kind of far away. It it's like. it's, it's undervalued. To go though. visit Fort Worth, there's a lot happening there, and it's a it, neat it is. city. And it's a can-do city. The you know the uh, city itself mm-hmm. uh, will help you in so many ways to do your project. Are there and, condo projects happening out there now? Well, there's maybe a major <laughs> one <laughs> okay. that cannot be announced yet. <laughs> okay, we'll, but save, there may be we'll a, save that for but, another but time. You know what? You will be, you will, you'll have to invite me back. I'll, okay. give you, I'll give you first dibs. All right. So, yeah, I think. But it's the 13th largest city in the United States. Wow. And has unbelievable wealth that is very quiet wealth. It's not as flashy as that. And Dallas. you look at the areas that surround it, if you think that feed to it, like, for example, Keller and South Lake, those mm-hmm. they have more in common with Fort Worth than they really do with Dallas. True. So, you know, I think Fort Worth is and Fort Worth has, you know, such a cool art and music scene and all these different things that and it still has a more it has a civility. It has mm-hmm. a southern civility that uh, that we seem to have lost to some degree as dallas gets more urban yeah and plano too and plano too cities city living people are more in a hurry yeah maybe a little more abrasive but uh, i still think we're we're probably one of the friendliest places a person could live oh texas in general fort worth fort worth is so laid back and down to earth and and it's got everything i mean yeah it's true it's got a neiman's that's all you need (laughs) you're making me want to go visit fort worth soon one of the things I've wanted to do, I have not done, is take the train out there. I don't know what it is, just wanting to ride the train. Yeah, it'd be May, fun. Yeah, just something it'd be different fun to, to ride mix the train for like a Saturday. I haven't ridden a train day. since uh, taking the channel uh, from uh, Paris to London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's almost like not a train. Yeah, a little different. <laughs> this is a real train. It is. It's surreal. Yeah. You're, you're flying along, and you know, you're getting amazing food and drink, and right. next thing yeah. you know, you're, wow. You've arrived. We barely felt like I was on a train. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have trains like that here yet. No, I remember as a kid uh, taking the train from New York City up to where my grandparents were in upstate New York, and it was kind of scary going from car to car, you know. Well, it was, mm-hmm. you know, a long time ago. It was back in yeah. the 60s. Yeah, yeah. And then I rode a train in Taiwan, too. Oh, but wow. I don't really remember. I just remember it was beautiful going through the mountains. That's all I remember mm-hmm. about it. I've ridden a train a couple of times. My dad actually worked for the railroad. Oh, wow. So that was, like, not something we were going to do for yeah. vacation. It's like, nope, not doing that. Not, so just so a handful close of times when everybody else in the family was like, we're going to do this wine tour or this, you know, this dinner train. 
Otherwise, it was just not going to be something we did. You know what? You should buy your dad a book uh, by an author, Paul Thoreau. Uh It's called Riding the Red Rooster, and it's about riding trains. He's a travel writer, but he's not one of those, you go down here and you get, it's all about the journey. The journey, uh But this is about riding all the trains in Asia. Wow. And it's a really, really good book. All of his travel books are pretty amazing. So, yeah, they're less Paul Thoreau. Paul Thoreau. This is recorded, so I won't have to write it down. Um, that's good. That's a good recommendation, and I'm eager to do more adventures. Because he'd he'd love that. Yeah, yeah, and just maybe I would too. I mean, no, you would too. Adventures. It's, it's yeah. very well written. Yeah, I mean, well, I could launch a whole tangent on reading, but I'll I'll save that for mm-hmm. another time. Adventures uh, are good. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm eager right Travel now. Travel is the best educator. Mm-hmm. I read a great book recently. Uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, you know what? That's on it's, my list. Yeah, it's great. And one of the quotes that really stood out to me from the book was, sometimes it's better to travel than arrive. Oh, for yeah. somebody that just registered in my head very deeply. And well, I'm like, and that's that, so true. Like the journey is, that's the, is part of the fun. I think that's part of the philosophy that uh, would be espoused in a Paul Thoreau okay. book about travel. Awesome. Well, we've covered the whole gamut of topics. We really have. Is there something you wish I would have asked today? Well, let's see. You, um, <clears throat> oh, you were going to ask me about, you know, if someone is buying a condo. Oh, let's talk but, about but, that. But, you know, because we don't have to. We can, we can certainly do we that. We can do because, Condo 101 some other time. Um, yeah, we talked about condos quite a bit. And that's something that condo, buying a condo is definitely different. Well, as an agent, you know, as an agent, For us, I it's think sure different. It's, it's one of the things I think that people don't look at, and they should, is... <clears throat> really want to look at the balance sheet of the association <laughs> mm-hmm. look at the reserves you know look at the history of how the dues that you know when they were raised those types of things um, uh, typically a lot of them will have if they're older will have a reserve study that will basically it says the expected life for the mm-hmm. roof expected life for the air conditioning systems those types of things so I think looking at that balance sheet, but also just when you're looking at the building itself, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't take, it, just like you look at a house that has deferred maintenance. You look at condo, you look at that, well, God, they look the landscaping die. You, know, mm-hmm. you look at, just be logical and, you know, don't get so dialed into the unit itself because you're buying an the undiv- whole package. An undivided interest in the corporation. Yeah. And this is, I think, what people forget about. on con- The buyers forget about on condos is they're married to that HOA. Right. And if HOA is mismanaged, at some point they will pay for it. Well, Either and an appreciation it, be active or, in your HOA because yeah. guess what? It's just like voting. Yeah. <laughs> we can't complain about the people in office if we don't vote. Yeah. And so with the association, that is a nonprofit run for the benefit of the homeowners, mm-hmm. but the homeowners need to take responsibility as well. It's like you said, if the reserves aren't there, at some point, maybe there's a problem with the roof or foundation. Right. Who's going to pay for that? The homeowners going to have a special assessment, then they'll pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is not fun. And then, you know, the other thing I would say, too, you can always fix finishes, you know, the candy coating, mm-hmm. but look at the floor plan. Yeah. Not just for yourself, but when I'm selling it in the future, is this a plan that's going to appeal to other people? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want, you know, sometimes having a unicorn is great, but a lot of times <laughs> so it's resell not. It. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So those are sort of two axioms, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, because it's harder to change a floor plan in a condo than a single-family home. It's if really, you can change it's a, it at all. If, you can, if it's a wood frame building, you know, you're not changing it. Mm-hmm. And if you are in a concrete building... It is, number one, all the neighbors are going to hate you. <laughs> and you have to get architectural approval, of all these you different things. Show up with and the it will take code. you twice as long as you think because you'll only be able to work certain hours if you've got uh-huh. an elevator. I mean, again, and I go back to all of your neighbors will hate you. Yeah, yeah, as you're doing construction in their yeah. home, basically, yeah. or around their home. Yeah, sound travels. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's good advice. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, well, um, you've been at this a while. 
at the real estate game. Where do you think we're headed for the rest of 2023 into next year? I think we're in a more normal market. Mm -hmm. I think that, yes, you do have houses that, you know, are selling above list and everything, but it's not the frenzy insanity that we had a year and a half ago. Um, And I think that's healthy because I think at a certain point, no matter what happens, that merry-go-round stops and people who paid just insane numbers over the list, they may have may have issues. Mm-hmm. And when people have issues and all of a sudden they lose their job or there's, you know, a recession that causes things to slow down drastically, quickly, mm-hmm. um, those people are going to be walking away. True. That's a real possibility. And, What's interesting though I, is they had to clear out their 401k a lot of times to oh, pay yeah. all that above. So, so maybe they can easily cover their mortgage, but now they're but, you know, the thing I see is that in-migration to North Texas and Texas in general is not going to stop. Right. Um, I think that the demand is going to continue to be high. Um, <clears throat> we are still suffering from labor shortages, which is a mystery to me. Why? Yeah. But um, I think that, you know, North Texas is the place to be. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that the market for the rest of the year, you know, right now, I'm— sort of pleasantly surprised at the lower end of the market, say three to 500, um, how that has held up really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought in past, past markets, when you've had rapid escalations of interest rates, the lower end of the market is typically where people don't have the elasticity to mm-hmm. be able to afford Makes a sense. bigger payment. Whereas I think here, people, uh, they waited, millennials waited longer or something. And so, uh, you know what, I'll just put a little bit more down mm-hmm. and, you know, and I'll be able to, you know, do, you know, I'll be able to handle this. Yeah. And so uh, I think that that end of the market, that, uh, that that end of the market, which is, if you think about it, sort of the, you know, the foundation. Yeah, entry level uh, in a way hasn't, too. Hasn't uh, really cratered the way I think mm-hmm. a lot of people expected. And I think you going into an election year in the not too distant future, um, we are we're still sort of on the fairy the fairy world of the stock market mm-hmm. continues to go up, right? You know, and I always tell people, yes, your your wealth is increasing, but unless you sell something, you don't have it, right? Yeah. So, but that perception, every, every reality is perception. Mm-hmm. So, golly, everything's peachy, fantastic. I'm going to go buy something. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that our market in North Texas is going to continue to be strong. Um, I think that uh, 23 is going to finish probably in some regards uh, ahead of 22. Just prices, I think, mm-hmm. overall will still be a I little think higher. So. I think the escalation rate is slowing mm-hmm. to a, a, a place that's manageable and makes sense, uh, lower than the quote rate of inflation, so to yeah. speak. And but I would, if I were someone waiting for the market to have interest rates drop to three <laughs> percent, they better not be waiting that because it isn't going to happen. Yeah, the inverse curve that we have with short-term rates being so high is keeping, you know, like an arm is priced basically almost the same as a fixed rate. <laughs> yeah, so why would, yeah. So why would you do it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think about the market a lot, and I'm worried about prices continuing to go up. Like you talked about that three to 500, I'm thinking like in a couple of years, it's four to 600, because the 300s are effectively gone. That's what I keep thinking about. But it about. keeps changing to just, it'll be a different neighborhood that becomes. True, yeah, you're right. It just, it, it sort of, um, you know, the idea of, quote, affordable housing is something that no one likes to talk about. And they, they hold not in my backyard, yeah. but I really support it. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be some sort of rational way to create programs for people, whether it's first responders, whether it's, you know, teachers, etc. Something that... Uh, gives them the ability where there's some sort of credits or mm-hmm. uh, or in people of a certain income level where they're able to have ownership. Mm-hmm. It's not just the idea of, 
you know, the thing that got us in trouble with mortgages where everybody should be able to qualify for a mortgage. Yeah. You uh, don't have a pulse, yeah. you qualify, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> Kind great. of 2008 all over, yeah. right? Luckily, we're not but, there. But getting creative uh, from a, uh, you know, if you will, a public level to support people in the purchase, mm-hmm. whether it's in certain areas or by income or by certain types of, you know, like I said, teachers, firemen, policemen, those types of things, they shouldn't have to move 90 miles away to serve yeah. the communities yeah. that they serve. To live in the community they serve. That's a real crazy thing to think about. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, people paying lip service to those types of things, there there should be, that should be more of a movement mm-hmm. that actually there's, there's some sort of, you know, concrete plan that can be created and you know and plans have to be flexible yeah you know what is it the the, the battle plan only survives the first engagement <laughs> right. right yeah so for sure that's what i'm, I'm trying military. to play up to yeah, playing yeah. up Thank to, your, you. to your army yeah background. i know it's all good until first contact and everything falls Holy apart crap. yeah know, that was a great plan until it wasn't run the other way <laughs> but i think hopefully the market will figure that out well I think it's a combination of there have to be programs put mm-hmm. in place that are, um, and they could be used as incentives to get better teachers, retain mm-hmm. teachers, re- you know, get more yeah. firefighters, get more uh, policemen. You know, we in Dallas, they're short something like a thousand to effectively do what they're supposed to be wow. doing. So, you know, I think it's not always about if you will, just wages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there should be, if there, if there could be some sort of benefit uh, beyond that. Uh, with, and I think housing is certainly yeah. a touchstone for anybody. Yeah, it's a great perspective. I mean, how it affects everything about their life and where they live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been a great well, conversation, and thanks for taking time out of your schedule to join me, Al. Well, I'm absolutely flattered and honored that you would ask me. I think well, it's yeah, really absolutely. terrific. Now, if our audience wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Um, Website, Instagram, email. How, how about just uh, my anti-senility uh, email? <laughs> Okay. Al at com. That's an easy one. That's the easy one. We'll put that in the description too. Well, I mean, thanks. That, if I can't remember that, I've got a dribble cup. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your time, Al. My pleasure. Have you been thinking about moving to North Texas? Maybe you're looking in Plano, Dallas, Frisco, or the surrounding communities. Each year, our team helps dozens of families make the move to Texas. We'd love to help you begin your journey. Learn more on our website at HastingsRE.com. That's H-A-I-S-T-I-N-G-S-R-E.com.